caregiving is one of the hardest and most humbling experiences for a spouse or child. It's an experience full of emotionally draining challenges. Join me, Wanda Purcell, on my podcast, The Accidental Care Partners, as I bring you information and tips for caregiving from other family care partners and helping professionals. Please join me for the next 20 or so minutes. You'll be glad you did. Hey there. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Accidental Care Partners Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Brady Purcell, and today I'm going to be talking about caring for someone with a chronic disease. I have placed web links and a variety of resources on the AccidentalCarePartners.com website, so be sure to visit and download what you find to be helpful. This episode could be very lengthy if I tried to cover all the many chronic health conditions with which our loved ones may be living. Instead, I'm going to give you specific links to websites for many of these diseases, and in this podcast, we'll talk about the ways all caregivers and care partners can support and provide excellent care regardless of the specific diagnosis. Through experience and research, I have learned there are certain things that all caregivers can do that will show support and encouragement to their loved ones. We want to provide the best care possible while maintaining the dignity and respect of our loved ones. We do this by never forgetting that our loved one is a person first, not the diagnosis or a list of symptoms. Chronic illness strips our care receivers to the core of their humanity. So much of the extraneous person falls away because our loved ones do not have the strength or the energy to attend to that part of themselves. But at their very core, they remain the people we know and love and trust. They are still the people our lives revolve around. When we take on the responsibilities of providing care, including personal care, it is always our first priority to do so with the utmost regard and respect. Often we step into the care partner role and assume that it is time to take over all aspects of our loved one's life. And that is so often not true. Now, I won't lie, and I won't say that it isn't a tempting idea, because if we truly took over, we would be in control, and we would be the decision makers. But if you'll remember what we discussed in Episode 5, that our job as the primary caregiver is to ensure our loved one retains as much control over their lives as possible for as long as possible. We're there to represent their voice when they can no longer express their needs or desires. This means the first thing we should do when providing care is to listen to our care receivers. We need to listen to them express their wants, needs, and desires in their own words, in their own way. Then we need to write these words on our hearts so that we always remember. There is nothing that says, I love you, like someone who is giving their undivided attention while listening to others. And yes, I am making a clear distinction between hearing and listening. Too often we hear words but fail to listen to the meaning or the tone and the body language behind the words. So take time to listen and show your loved one how much he or she is valued. Another thing that is important to the caregiving role is to find ways to be informed. Take time to read up on your loved one's condition. I'm sure their health care provider has pamphlets or other literature that will give you quality information. I'm including web links to many associations and foundations related to chronic health conditions, like diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, 
chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, cancer, heart disease, and autoimmune conditions. There are so many out there, it's hard to have a definitive list for you. I'm going to give you the main ones so that it will be easier for you to find what you're looking for. As the caregiver, it is so important that you communicate through asking questions. Ask your loved one what they need rather than taking over or ignoring them, especially in the beginning. Ask first and help as directed. For instance, rather than chopping their food into baby bites before you set the plate on the table, inquire if they would like your help, and if the answer is yes, ask how you can help. Then follow their lead. If they decline your offer for help, let them do it on their own, without exasperation. Personal pride is important, and we want to always be encouraging and supportive of their attempts to maintain their independence. As their health and abilities decline, more help will be required, but always begin with the question. If or when your loved one tells you to stop asking or to just do the thing, then you'll know that they've made their peace with needing this level of assistance. And common sense says that the only time asking for permission before offering for help should be overruled is when safety is at risk. Avoid demeaning or condescending words or phrases when offering assistance. That kind of exchange is not uplifting and can serve to devalue your care receiver. If you find yourself doing this, then it's time for a gut check. What is going on with you to cause this behavior? Listen to episode three for some excellent coping strategies. Caregivers can be encouraging and supportive by validating the experience of their loved one. So many times I've heard others give platitudes thinking they are offering encouragement. And if I'm honest, I probably did that myself before I knew better. Platitudes sound pleasing to the ear, but are discouraging to the heart. Here's a couple of my favorites. You are so brave, or you inspire so many people. And yet, after working for years with care receivers and their families, I've learned that these kind of platitudes really put more pressure on our loved ones to be brave and inspirational especially in front of their caregivers. Maybe we could be more value to them if we gave them a safe place to shrug off the brave face and the inspiring smile and allow their struggles and true emotions to come to the surface when they are having a difficult time. We do this by genuinely asking, how are you feeling today? And when they name it, we make a conscious decision to be present in the uncertainty and pain which is more meaningful to our loved ones than our striving to have all the answers. It may take some practice, but I believe all of us care receivers can learn to express empathy and eventually do it well in the way that best fits our care receivers. My mom was a strong woman with a good sense of humor and intelligence. She could do anything, and if she didn't know how to do something, she would either find somebody to teach her or she would read and learn to do it on her own. For all that she was, my mom was not comfortable talking about her feelings. She was not a handholder or a hugger. She would occasionally clap you on the back, but overall she was very reserved. I'm different from her in these fundamental ways, but I had to discipline myself so that I could be with her in ways that would be soothing and comforting to her while putting my own discomfort aside. And when I tell you this was difficult, that is the honest truth. But once she was gone, I was proud that I had honored her by supporting her and showing her my love in a way that she could accept it. 
I want to share a quote by Melissa Manning, who wrote the We Are More blog that is referenced in the show notes. Miss Manning said, The most important gift we can give someone is our time. So as you care for someone who is suffering from an ever-present illness or disease, remember that just being there can transform their day. Empower yourself through the understanding of their chronic illness. Listen with your full attention. Be supportive and encouraging on the good and the bad days. Today when I brought my mom lunch, I saw her smile. It was at this moment that I knew that this was the perfect way to be helping her while she is coping with a chronic illness. In episode four, we discussed setting up your essential caregiving toolkit. And you can find this in the archive section of the AccidentalCarePartners.com website. There are several parts of the toolkit that are designed to help you gather and maintain the many bits of information you will need to provide quality care to your loved one. It is a tool that can also help you plan for the future caregiving needs of your loved one, depending on their chronic disease. I encourage you to download the templates and tip sheets to begin preparing for the long haul. In our next podcast, I will bring you information about how to prepare for weather or other disaster emergencies. Check out episode 8 for all the details and get the tip sheet to help you. I hope you'll join me for this timely topic as we are entering into the active spring tornado season across most of America. See you then. Well, that's all I have for today. If you found the information to be useful, uh, you might want to check our Facebook page, which is also titled The Accidental Care Partners, for updates on future caregiver support groups. To help other caregivers find us, please use the like, share, and subscribe buttons. Show notes are posted on the AccidentalCarePartners.com website, and you can also leave comments there. Another way to reach me is by sending questions or comments through email to carepartnerspodcast2020 at gmail.com. I'll respond to you as soon as I can, and we'll use your feedback to produce future episodes. So until next time, always remember, caregiving is hard, so be kind to yourself. Thanks for listening.